Red Rifle proved why the Bengals took Joe Burrow number one overall in the 2020 NFL Draft on Monday night with a terrible outing. This 38-10 battering also solidified why Dak Prescott rightly deserves the $40 million he wanted. I will discuss Monday night's loss, what the future holds for the Dallas Cowboys, and more next on The Wrap-Up. Monday Night Football was terrible. It was a disgrace, and it made me embarrassed to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. Yes, I understand that this team is missing multiple starters, many of them out for the year, one of which is their star quarterback. But isn't Andy Dalton just as good as Dak Prescott? Some of you said he's better. To you Cowboys fans who said that, how do you guys feel now? You're probably feeling pretty stupid, and you should. To fans around the league who say, well, of course Dak Prescott's good. He has Ezekiel Elliott. He has Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. He's got Michael Gallup and that offensive line. Oh, that offensive line is just so good. Anybody could do what he does in Dallas. You're wrong. In fact, Prescott's QBR is higher when Ezekiel Elliott is off the field. So there goes that argument. You guys need to stop kidding yourselves because you all have this notion to say, Well, in that offense, anybody could do it, but you're wrong. You're wrong, and Monday night proved it. In the last 15 years, Cowboys starters not named Tony Romo or Dak Prescott are 10-24. and These two guys have been the most criticized players in the NFL because they wear the star, but they are what makes these teams good. They are. I don't care what you say. Dak Prescott and Tony Romo are what made the Dallas Cowboys good. Look at 2015 when Romo went down. He started two games and won both of them. Got hurt week three, and then the team went 4-12 that season. Of course, this allowed them to take Ohio State running back Ezekiel Elliott fourth overall, which has gotten some recent criticism. Despite all the disappointment, this was still the defense's best game of the season. I know what you're thinking. Well, they gave up 38 points. Well, sure, but think about how the Cardinals got 14 of those points. Two Ezekiel Elliott fumbles. Ezekiel Elliott should seriously consider giving the Ferreira Candy Company a call for a Butterfingers sponsorship. This season has been pathetic for a guy who held out because he, quote, deserved his money. We all made fun of Jerry Jones at the time, but maybe he was right in saying Zeke who. Ever since Elliott got paid, he's done nothing. Elliott has five fumbles in just six games this season. For context, his previous four seasons, he had 15 total fumbles. This is a problem. This type of play drew criticism from many, but most notably was Des Bryant, who tweeted out saying, I want Cowboys fans to know you could have had Derrick Henry and Jalen Ramsey. I vouched for that. I think Dez should be the last guy calling anyone out since his production drastically decreased when he got his money as well. And since Dez Bryant hasn't landed a wide receiver job yet, is expected to sign with the Ravens, but hey, if he doesn't, maybe he should go into a front office role since he's so smart. But that's another story. That being said, does Dez Bryant have a point? If Cowboys fans look at the 2016 draft, it looks wildly successful because so many quality starters have come from it. But when you look at it, Dallas Cowboys could have had Jalen Ramsey at 4, or Xavier Howard, 
Derrick Henry, Michael Thomas, Deion Jones, or Kevin Byard in the second round. The defense could use any one of those players that I mentioned, and taking Michael Thomas would have saved Dallas from a 2018 first-round pick they sent to Oakland for Amari Cooper. Now, I know this is all hypothetical, but it's food for thought. We have seen more and more evidence showing that paying running backs seems to be a big mistake. The first case of this was the Rams paying Todd Gurley. In 2018, the Rams made Gurley the highest paid running back in the NFL with a four-year $60 million deal with 45 of that guaranteed. Of the four highest paid running backs last season, Elliott was the only one to hit the 1,000-yard mark. At the moment, it seems paying Elliott was a mistake. He has time to come back, but things don't look good. This season, Elliott ranks 25th in yards per attempt with 4.1, first in fumbles with 5, and second in cap hit with 10.9 million. In 2021, his cap hit is first at $13.7 million, and in 2022, it's first with $16.5 million. Oh, and that fumble issue I was talking about? Since 2018, Ezekiel Elliott has a secure lead on ball security issues with 14 fumbles. The only player that can come close is Seattle's Chris Carson with 11 fumbles. On Tuesday, Elliott, in a press conference, noted these issues and said that the loss fell on him. Here's that clip. Um, honestly, I, I don't think it really was much of what they did. Uh, I think it was me. Um, me, I, I'm supposed to be a guy this team can rely on. I'm supposed to be a guy that this team can can lean on when times get rough. And and I just wasn't that today. Um, I got us started off to a terrible start. The defense were playing. They were playing well. Um, but uh, I killed our momentum. Two fumbles. Uh, I can't do that. I can't. Hopefully these issues will be fixed soon. And speaking of issues, let's talk about defense. To my surprise, they began the game with a three and out and the same result came on Arizona's third drive. They had three consecutive drives with no score, something they haven't done yet this season to begin a game. But those two Ezekiel Elliott fumbles set Arizona up for a 14-0 lead. They, of course, ran away with the game, scoring 24 more points in an easy 38-10 victory. Despite these flashes of hope given to us, the defense is still awful. The worst of these is Daryl Worley. Worley was burned on an 80-yard touchdown from Christian Kirk, which was his second of the night. Worley was nowhere to be found as he was 6-plus yards behind Kirk at the point where he caught the ball. At the end of the game, Kenyon Drake, who I said would have a field day, had a 69-yard run for a touchdown where he was not touched. And I'm not joking when I say that. Go back and look at the tape. He was not touched. And the closest defender was 10 to 15 yards behind him. Look, I know I don't mention it often, but this Dallas Cowboys defense is horrible. And we really shouldn't be surprised as to why. But we still are. The defense has given up 14 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns through the first six weeks of the year. The last team to do that? The 2005 San Francisco 49ers. And guess who their head coach was? Go ahead, take a guess. If you guessed Mike Nolan, you are correct. The same man McCarthy chose to lead the Cowboys defense puts up this pathetic stat once again. Another stat for you. Monday night was the fifth straight game the Cowboys allowed 30-plus points, which they haven't done since 1989, which was a team that went 1-15. in 
They have given up the fifth most points through the first six games in NFL history with a total of 218. Oh, and by the way, this is the highest number in the Super Bowl era. The four teams with higher point totals were the 1950 Baltimore Colts, the 1961 Oakland Raiders, the 1954 Washington Redskins, and the 1948 New York Giants. Another pathetic stat for you because why not? On Monday night, the Cowboys gave up three plays of 60 plus yards. They gave up three in all of 2019 and six from 2017 to 2019. And you know what? One more stat because why not? The Dallas Cowboys have allowed 74 points off of turnovers this season. That is nearly 34% of the points that they have given up. So is there any good in this? Yes, there is. The good news is that defensive end Randy Gregory will be back for Sunday's game and Sean Lee is back at practice. But if that doesn't give you hope, look no further than a guy that I have raved about all season long. Trayvon Diggs. If you've listened to any of my previous episodes, you know that I have very high hope for him and for good reason. According to Next Gen Stats, Diggs covered DeAndre Hopkins on all of his first half routes and only allowed one reception for 13 yards on five targets. I said a few weeks back that Diggs could stay step for step with the best of the best and he did it Monday night. DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the NFL this season with 47 receptions and 601 yards, both of which are first in the league. A storm is brewing in Dallas. According to NFL Network's Jane Slater, players are becoming discontent with one saying that the coaching staff is totally unprepared and they don't teach, they don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. Another player mentioned they just aren't good at their jobs. Slater did not mention either of the players by name, but it is clear that the Cowboys have issues evolving. Here is former Packer James Jones talking about these comments in his time with Mike McCarthy. Well, first off, I want to say, man, I mean, gosh, Leash, I mean, to hear that, you know, Coach Mike is not a good coach or even the other coaches on the coaching staff are not a good, not good coaches and can't adjust on the fly. I played for Coach Mike for eight years and that's not what I got from him. I mean, we won a lot of ball games. We won a Super Bowl. I mean, he put us in position to win ball games and have success. So. I'm thinking that that's coming from the defensive side of the ball and putting them in bad positions on the defensive side of the ball because the offense is really putting up very good numbers. So on the defensive side of the ball, I can hear, I, I understand the complaints. I do. You know, you feel like you're out of position. This is a new coaching staff, new D coordinator over there, and you feel like they're putting you in bad situations. But one thing I learned as a player, Jane, is that coaches are not going to change. They may change a scheme here and there, but they're going to run their system. They're not going to change. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys sit in first place. So you're either going to continue to make these excuses and say we are not in the right position to make the plays and continue to say it's the coaches and all that. And it might be. But at the end of the day, you have to believe in what's called. You have to go out there and you have to perform. You have to tackle. You have to cover. You have to beat blocks. You have to do all that. You have to run your routes. You have to throw the ball. This is not the coaches. So at the end of the day, you're going to have to start believing what's called on both sides of the ball and going out there playing at a high level, or you can keep complaining and going out there making excuses after the game or after a play and end up in last place in the division and not making the playoffs. That's just my insight on it. Former NFL head coach Brian Billick 
who won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens in 2000 and was a player for the Dallas Cowboys back in 1977, gave the coach's perspective on this. Well, I'm going to put a disclaimer up front. I'm a coach, so I'm going to look at it from a coach's standpoint. And coaches don't lose locker rooms. Locker rooms lose locker rooms, okay? This was a losing team last year. You got the last staff fired. You brought in a new staff. I've known Mike McCarthy for 30 years. Mike Nolan worked for me in Baltimore. I've known him for the same amount of time. These are the two most detailed, hardworking, knowledgeable coaches I've ever known. To me, this is the classic players that got the last staff fired, and now it's jumping up on the soapbox saying, I confess, he did it. If you're not being coached, if you're not hearing the adjustments, maybe you're not listening because these guys are good football coaches. And now you've gone through two different coaches. Now it's incumbent upon you, like James said. You still have an opportunity. God bless America. You're in the right division. You can go forward with this. Listen to what the coaches are saying. Buy into what they're talking about. These are two good coaches, and you can rally around it if you choose to. Uh, you'll notice that those reports come from someone that doesn't have the decency to put their names to it. So I'd put that kind of credibility on it. Last season, as things began to fall apart, the Cowboys players kept quiet, but they're especially vocal this season. The reason? Maybe Jason Garrett wasn't as bad as we thought. And believe me, this is the last thing I want to say. I was an outspoken critic of Garrett for his last two seasons in Dallas, where he yet again collapsed in the playoffs and then missed them altogether. But maybe there is a reason that McCarthy wasn't hired after his falling out with Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm not advocating to fire Mike McCarthy six games in because he came in at a bad time for any coach to come in. With the pandemic, training camp was pushed back and preseason was canceled, resulting in less time with the players. I knew this year was going to have its issues, but I didn't think it would be this bad. McCarthy isn't the only new coach struggling. The most successful has been Kevin Stefanski, who is 4-2 with the Browns, but the other four coaches have combined for 7 wins and 18 losses. So how does one fix this team? Well, I can tell you it isn't using the guys you have because you think that's enough. The Cowboys need to decide if they truly want help or if they're going to fully embrace the tank. This week, I will cover the tank. Next week, I will discuss the NFL trade deadline coming up on November 3rd. If the Cowboys truly want to tank, they need to draft defense to fix their glaring needs or an offensive tackle for security. Currently, the Cowboys hold the 19th pick in the draft because they lead the division, but if that lead is lost, they could drop all the way to pick number 10. There are three guys that I believe the Dallas Cowboys should seriously consider. The first is Patrick Sertain II, a defensive back from Alabama. Patrick Sertain Sr., the father of Junior, played in the NFL for 11 years with the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. Sr. was a three-time Pro Bowler and was a first-team All-Pro in 2002 when he had six interceptions and 59 tackles. Sertain II was a five-star prospect and the 11th highest prospect the University of Alabama has ever had. The junior has three interceptions in his three seasons with the Tide and 17 pass deflections. Many say Sertain is a more polished prospect than 2020 third overall pick Jeff Akuda. Patrick will likely be selected between picks 6 and 10. The second prospect is Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. 
Parsons made a name for himself last season with 109 tackles, 5 sacks, and 4 forced fumbles. He is one of many players to opt out of the 2020 college season in preparation for the NFL draft. I believe this is a bad move for Parsons who has only started two seasons in college and has only been a leap for one of those. Linebacker isn't a big need for the Cowboys, but Parsons will likely be the best guy available, which is a drafting tactic that worked well for the Cowboys in the 2020 draft. The third guy is Gregory Rousseau, an edge rusher from Miami. The Cowboys could look to move on from their highest paid rusher Demarcus Lawrence after a poor start and will need to look for cheap alternatives. The team also has Alden Smith and Everson Griffin on one-year deals. Rousseau is the perfect rusher for the Dallas Cowboys. He was dominant for the U last season with 15.5 sacks, 54 tackles, and two forced fumbles. Rousseau is another player who opted out for the 2020 season and the decision could hurt his value. I would say look at safety, but the Cowboys haven't respected that position with a quality pick since taking Darren Woodson with their second round pick in the 1992 draft. Listeners, make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as well as follow our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by simply searching The Wrap Up so you can stay updated on the latest in Dallas Cowboys news. So the Cowboys head to our nation's capital to face off against their division rivals, the football team. Washington is in third place in the division with a 1-5 record with their lone win coming against the Eagles in week one. I just want to prepare all of my listeners for something they don't want to hear. Washington will win this football game. It's something I don't like saying, but the Cowboys are a really bad team. And Andy Dalton is not what we thought he was. Washington doesn't have a stellar team or anything, but one thing they do have is one of the best young receivers in the game, Terry McLaurin. Despite this, I will still give you my keys to victory. Number one, pressure Kyle Allen. Allen is still not a proven starter and he has his issues. If the Cowboys defensive line can't create pressure against a squad ranked 29th heading into the season, that will speak volumes on what Mike Nolan has been doing in Dallas. Washington also has two very capable running backs that can win them the game like Kareem Hunt and Dionis Johnson did for the Browns in week four. Number two, protect your quarterback at all costs. Notice I said quarterback, not Andy Dalton. The reason being that Ben DiNucci or recent free agent signing Garrett Gilbert could easily take over if poor play continues for the Red Rifle. The Cowboys got some bad news on Friday that all-pro guard Zach Martin will miss the game with a concussion he suffered Monday night. And Brandon Knight will miss a few games with a knee injury. That being said, Andy Dalton should definitely be shaking in his boots seeing the defensive line Washington has. They have 16 sacks on the year, which is tied for sixth, and have a shot of getting second overall pick Chase Young back, who will have no issue bullying whoever is playing tackle for the Cowboys. Number three, stop turning the ball over. This seems to be a common trend among my keys to victory, but it is something the team just can't get right. If this means benching Ezekiel Elliott, do it. 
The Cowboys, as I said earlier, have given up 74 points off of turnovers and have lost four games because of it. The Cowboys have a negative 12 turnover differential and will likely add to it with a heavily depleted offensive line that, like I said, just lost Zach Martin and Brandon Knight. I expect this to be one of the ugliest football games we will see the Cowboys play this season, but that shouldn't be a surprise considering the NFC East is a joke and should not be granted a playoff spot. Listeners, make sure to stay tuned next Saturday for my coverage on the game against Washington, as well as what moves to watch for the upcoming NFL trade deadline. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to follow the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages by simply searching The Wrap Up so you can stay updated on the latest in Dallas Cowboys news. I'm Alec Rapp. And this has been The Wrap-Up.